0: and
1: God's people said. Let's give the Lord a hand. You want to do that? Isn't that awesome? Worthy, worthy is the Lamb. We're glad to have you here today. And boy, this is summertime, and we have people here and here, people there, people everywhere. But we're just so glad you're here today. And anybody that's visiting with us, we are so grateful that you've you've come to visit with us today. We're going to ask you just to do us a favor if you haven't done it. It's a little, in front of you, in the back of the chair in front of you is a card. It's called The Card. (laughs) We have a real original team around here. But anyway, The Card. And on that card just gives us information about you. We'd like to be an encouragement to your life just to do whatever we can do to, to help you and also to tell you that on the 20th of July That will be our next discovery class. It's all done in one day. They don't even have a meal to close it out. And so if you would like to join us, want to know what we're all about, that's the discovery class. It's not to check you out. It's for you to come and check us out. If you're going to join, you need to know what you're joining and how to do that. So that's the next class is the 20th. And hopefully you'll make note of that. But visitors, if you just took a moment today... Fill out that card, give it to us at the offering time or give it to an usher or somebody before you leave. We'd deeply appreciate that. Okay, look around and find somebody and say, boy, you haven't been in the sun much this summer. Whatever, make somebody smile. Just put a smile on their face and don't leave them until they smile. Would you do that? Okay. There are two events coming up. Uh, one I've been going on all summer. We want to show you a short uh, pre- preview of what the next Wednesday Night Truth Project will be all about. I'm telling you, that is one awesome study, and it's just giving us a Christian worldview done very well. So the first little clip will be of that. The second one will be for the Sportsman's Banquet, July the 19th. And guys, and ladies, anybody loves the out of doors, you need to come to this. It's a huge thing. And I told the first group, I have to tell you too, just remember the fish in the video is a large mouth bass. It's not a trout. But anyway, you, you, <laughs> we'll watch these two, but these are coming up. The first one's Wednesday night, the next one, July 19th. We're going to build the final pillar history. What is a lie? Historical revisionism, is it not? What is the definition of the present? This is what's happening, man. Right now. What is that? Without history, we're lost. When all I have to do is fiddle with the past and make you believe what I want in the present. If the meaning of life really begins with you, the answer is pretty shallow. Yeah.
0: Hey sportsmen, time for the 2008 Sportsman Outreach Maker, the New Mexico State Fairground, Manuel Lujan. We have Joey Hancock, outdoor television personality, special musical guest Clifton Jansky, nationally recognized songwriter and performer. We'll have entertainment, outdoor sports vendors and demonstrations, thousands of dollars in door prizes, and all-you-can-eat dinner. It's only 30 bucks. on July 19th. Doors open at 3 p.m. and dinner at 5. Program starts at 6. Please stand with us again while we sing. And earth Let's have the men start us off on this next song. In a faith, rise up and see of a great and glorious King. You are strong when you feel weak in your brokenness, complete.
1: seated, and would you just draw that imaginary circle around yourself as if nobody was in this place, just you and the Lord, and just take some time in the silence of these moments and just go before him. Just go right into his presence. If you're a believer, you're welcome. Just go right into his presence in the name of Jesus and just praise him and talk to him and tell him what you are on your heart this morning. Ask him if there's anything in your life that's grieving or quenching his spirit. A sin you've not confessed and brought before him. He's already aware of it. But something you haven't brought before him, it's for our benefit, not his. Maybe it's an attitude you have, whatever. Just confess it to him, remembering that repentance is not promising to do better. You'll never do better. Your flesh gets worse. Jesus came to replace us, not to renew our flesh. Victory is never you overcoming sin. Victory is Jesus overcoming you. So spend some time in a personal way letting him speak to you that way right now. we're still in the mindset of the fourth and the beautiful freedom that God has given to us in our country. Let's remember our troops wherever they are, men and women that are in harm's way, wherever they are. Let's remember them. Let's remember their families. Let's remember our president. Let's remember our government leaders. Let's remember our country in this very, very critical year and time that God would lead us. As we're now preparing our hearts for offering and worshiping God in our offerings this morning, I want you to just go before him right now and say, God, I want I know everything. You own you it all. and Lord, I just want you to speak to my heart and tell me what you want me to give this morning. And you do whatever he tells you in the grace he gives you to do it. That's, that's living grace. That's his divine enablement. So just spend a moment or two just asking him, Lord, I want to worship you but my giving today. You tell me what I'm supposed to do. Father, we thank you so much for loving us like you do. We seek to honor you, but Lord, we fall so short. Lord, so many times we ask you to lead us, but the problem is we're not willing to be led. And I pray, Father, you'll soften and tenderize our hearts. Lord, that your will and your truth would become so important to each of us. Lord, all of us have our weaknesses. All of us have our struggles. Thank you, Father, that you overcome us. And that's what victory really is. Not us overcoming sin, but you overcoming us. Overcome us even at this time of offering today, Father. Speak to each heart. And may the offering today bring glory to you, bring honor to you, Father, because you initiated in the heart and you enable that. May it be a blessing truly. Lord, we're in the middle of the summer and we thank you, Father, that you're never caught up short. Speak to your people and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers. Father, that is exactly our prayer this morning. We pray that your light will shine in and your light will shine through us so that the whole world can see. And Lord, we thank you that you're the one who moves mountains. Lord, there may be somebody here today and there's a mountain in front of them, a circumstance they could never change in a million years. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's something else, but Lord, you're the one who can remove mountains. And I pray, Father, you'll just overwhelm that individual. And Lord, all of us, that we might understand our belief, what we believe in, who we believe in, and help us to stand in these difficult, difficult days. We love you and praise you. I pray, oh God, in my weakness, you'd be my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, would you turn with me this morning for the last time To the book of Jude. I say for the last time, I hope you don't just ever, you you never look at it again. But as far as our sermon series goes, we're going to close it out today, the book of Jude. And if you've not been with us, we've been entitling this whole series, Snakes Around the Water. And the reason we entitle it that is because snakes that are, especially a cottonmouth moccasin in the south, will stay around the shallow waters. Because that's where it catches a lot of the the fish that come in and different things. It just prays in that area. And in a spiritual sense, when a believer puts his Bible on a shelf, lets it get dust all week long, never gets into it, listens to tapes, reads books, and does other things, but never digs it out for himself, he's living in the shallows of the water. And what's going to happen is he becomes prey for the false teachers. He becomes the fodder that they feed upon. They love a believer, a professed believer, who does not know the Word of God. And so we've called it Snakes Around the Water. And today, we're going to entitle this message in verse 22 through 25. We're going to entitle it, Watch Your Brothers Back. Watch Your Brothers Back. You know, you, those, that's a familiar term to the military. That's a familiar term to those of us who have been in the sport world. But you know, have you ever thought about it in a Christian sense, watching each other's Back To get you into this, if we're living in God's word, as we saw in verse 20 and 21, allowing his spirit to lead us in prayer, according to his will, not our will, being kept in his love, which means we're not letting the world tell us who we are. We're letting his love dictate to us who and whose we are. If we're looking forward to his soon coming, then I can tell you this. God's truth is going to be more important to us than ever Before So much so that we will become sensitive to the fact that false doctrines are around and we'll start watching out for our brother because we know the damage that false doctrine can bring to a believer's walk with Christ. One of the sweetest things that my son said to me over the years, he said a lot of things that I've treasured, but one of the sweetest things he said is one time I was going through a very, very difficult time, a lot of conflicting situations, and he called me up and said, Dad, I said, hey, buddy. He said, I want you to know I love you, and I want you to know I'm watching your back. I've got your back. Boy, that blessed me. Do you realize if believers would watch each other's back when it comes to the matter of false doctrine, when it comes to the matter of wrong thinking? Do you have a glimpse in your mind of how strong the church would be in the 21st century? Aren't we grateful for people like Priscilla and Aquila that set the example way back in the book of Acts? They came alongside a man by the name of Apollos, and he was a great preacher, but he had some doctrine that was not right. In Acts chapter 18, verse 24 through 26, let me read that story to you. Now, a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the Scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. They were watching his back. Well, in the last few verses of Jude, he's going to talk to us about who to watch out for and how to watch out for them. But you've got to remember that he's talking to the people in verse 20 and 21 who are living up under the influence of truth. And as we said, letting the Spirit lead them in prayer, living a godly life, trusting God in everything that they do, letting the Word of God dictate their life. That's who he's talking to. Because you see, if you don't know what you believe, you can't watch out for anybody. It's the blind leading the blind. I, I love to fish, and uh, I was fishing with a friend of mine down in Lake Jackson, Tallahassee, Florida. He and I had gone to a conference. We always went two days early to fish in Lake Jackson. We had fished it so many times, but this particular time that we went down, we got to the boat that morning. Andy Good was his name. He, I grew up with him, played ball with him in college. We got into the boat, and it's almost as soon as we were ready to put out into the water, A fog set in. And I mean, when I say a fog, I could not see him in the front of the boat. It really was humorous. He's got a great sense of humor, and I kind of have one from time to time. And so we we just got to laughing because we were talking, but we couldn't see each other. We could hear other boats, and they were talking, but you couldn't see anybody. It was the weirdest feeling. Fog is thick. You could cut it with a knife. And here we are going out, and he said, Wayne, do you know where we are? I know where we are, Andy, man. Trust me. Trust me. I know where we are. Come on, Wayne. Are you sure you know where we are? Andy, I know. And about that time, I ran into the bank on the other side of the lake. (laughs) I was running the motor, and when I hit that bank, it threw Andy out of the boat onto the beach on the other side. And he's laying on his back looking up saying, thanks a lot, Wayne. You really know where you are, don't you? The blind (laughs) leading the blind. If you don't know what you believe and are not living up under its influence, And if you're not allowing the Spirit to lead you in in accordance to the will of God, then it's the blind leading the blind. So we're talking today about believers who are serious enough about God and serious enough about truth to watch out for the brother. There are three conditions of a brother in Christ that one can fall into that he addresses in this last few verses of this wonderful epistle. Excuse me. Okay. First of all, basically what he's saying here is be merciful to those who are listening but haven't given in to false teaching. Now remember, again, who he's talking to. These are the ones who are wanting to go deeper in God's word. And he's he's referring to when he says they're listening to it, he's referring to the people that want to live in the shallows. He's talking to the people that want to go deeper, but he's talking about the people in their same body, in the same, same circles that want to live in the shallows of God's word. Uh, they're try- in other words, a person that lives in the shallows comes to church because he loves the fellowship, comes to church because he loves the music. But you see, what he's trying to do is get the best of this world and the best of the Christian world and somehow trying to put them together. And that does not work. It does not work. Jude says in verse 22 and have mercy on some who are doubting. Have mercy on some. Now, back in verse 2, remember, he said, made the, the peace and the mercy and the love of God, or the mercy, the peace, and the love of God be multiplied to you, now you understand why. We, we not only need the mercy individually, but we need to be filled with God's divine compassion for the people around us that will not come out of the shallows and start listening to false doctrine. The word mercy is the word elio, which is the divine compassion of God that none of us deserve. If anybody thinks they can deserve mercy, they don't understand the word. This is what Christ produces in us when we're living the way he says in verse 20, verse 21, have mercy on some. Now it's in the imperative mood, which means this is a command. This is not a suggestion. This is not an option. This is a command. The first reflex that we would have if Christ is living his life in and through us, and we're living under the influence of his word and truth by saying yes to him, the first reflex that we would have when we see a brother listening to false doctrine is compassion. Not criticism, not judgment, but compassion. That's what he produces in us. The very use of the word some, have mercy on some, tells us that not everybody's going to fall into the trap of false teaching but, but some will. They, they just are determined to hang out in the shallows of God's Word. Have mercy on some who are doubting. The word doubting, now that draws a picture for us. It's the word viacrino. It means to struggle, to distinguish between this and that. Uh, here it would be to, to struggle between the, and to discern b- between truth and error. It comes from two words, and the two words draw a picture for us. There are the word dia, which means through or between, which is a better word here, and the word krino, which means to judge. To make a distinction between two things and to be able to clearly state this is this and that is that. That's what the word there means. And so the doubting comes to where there's a struggle. I, I don't know if this is this or if that's that. And when we do not know God's word, error begins to come in and causes us to doubt what we thought we already knew. That's the most interesting thing. How quickly what we thought we knew can be destroyed by doubt. Doubting causes us to leave the path uh, of simply trusting God's Word and let the winds of, of doctrine blow us this way and blow us that way. You know, James had a real good understanding of what this doubting is all about. He says in James 1.6, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. And then he describes what doubting is like. For the one who doubts, the one who seems to, can't, to distinguish between truth and error, is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Doubting comes when we do not, know, we not obey God's Word. You know, there's a survey that has been done on evangelical churches, and I don't know the numbers to throw up on a screen. I'm not that big into surveys, but I'll tell you what, it will horrify you when you see how many people go to evangelical churches that are conservative, that believe the Word of God, and don't know a tenth of their doctrine. They don't understand why they believe this or believe that. I've heard this statement over and over when I've traveled the country, and I've heard it out here. Oh, it doesn't matter what you believe. We're all going the same way. And Listen, yes, it does matter what you believe. And this is what he's saying. If you live in the shallows, you don't know what you believe. And as a result of this, you start listening to that which is false. You start listening. Now, maybe you haven't bought into it yet, but already you're beginning to doubt. You don't know if this is this. You don't know if that's that. And you begin to question the very things that are the, the foundational truths of what you believe. So the first thing that will come when you see a brother start listening. He's not bought it yet. He's listening. And you can see that he's listening. It is, it, when you see that, it's to, it's to mercy. The c- divine compassion of God begins to well up inside of you when you see a brother begin to stray. He's just listening, but he's starting the process. The second thing he brings up here, though, is of a brother who's gone further than that. The second thing is rescue those who are believing false doctrine. Rescue the ones that are believing. Now, this, this isn't the one just listening. They've bought it. They've, 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 they've bitten Verse 23 says, save others, snatching them out of the fire. When Jude says save others, he now refers to a different group. Some are doubting. They're listening and they're doubting, but, they have, but now others, save others, out of, and snatch them out of the fire. He speaks of those who are now on the slippery slope of false doctrine. They've gone, they've gone further than they should have gone. They're not just listening to it. They've now become convinced that what they're hearing is right and it's already pulling them into the fire. Remember that the false teachers, they did not build their doctrine on the Word of God. They did not build on the doctrine on the Word of God. They built it on experience, on emotion, and, they, and which is what the flesh wants. And so this is very important. The flesh responds to false doctrine. If I'm not going to live over here, you can rest assured, I'm going to drift over here. And once I start listening, and once my flesh starts starts yielding to it, it puts me on that slippery slope and takes me right into the false doctrine. This group has fallen for the false teaching, hook, line, and sinker. He says, "Save others." The word "save" is the word we get for salvation, yes, but it means other things. It also means to it just simply means to rescue somebody from danger, to deliver them from danger. And I don't believe he's talking about getting evangelistic here. What he's talking about is there's a second degree of a person listening to false teaching. The tense is present tense and is, again, an an imperative command. We don't have no option here. To me, it suggests two things. One is keep on doing what you're doing, but also that, that this rescue is not going to be simple as you think. It's going to be a process. It took a while to get this person into the false doctrine. It's going to take some time to get them back out of it. So it's going to take some stick-to-itives there. Again, this is the group now that, that you're trying to rescue that, that stayed in the shallows of the water of God's Word. They were the ones prone to listen, and now they're prone to slip right into the false doctrine. Save others, he says, snatching them out of the fire. The word snatching, and I love this word, is in the phrase snatching them out of the fire is the word harpezo. Harpezo is a word that means to snatch something out Of something. In fact, it's related to the word used in 1 Thessalonians 4:17, when it talks about being caught up. It means to snatch something out of something. And in 1 Thessalonians 4:17, it says we're caught up together with Jesus in the clouds. It is this word that we take in the English for the word rapture. Now, the word rapture is never in Scripture. And somebody says, Brother Wayne, you can't believe in the rapture of the church. The word rapture is not even in scripture. And I say, You're exactly right. See there? Well, no, I mean, the word harpezo has the idea, when it was translated into Vulgate, the Latin, they tried to take the word and use it uh, in a sense that how, what is something that swoops down and, and snatches something out, like snatches a lamb out of a flock or whatever? And they came up with the word raptor, not harpezo, that's Greek. But they came up with the word raptor. What happened in English? We took the word raptor and we got the word rapture. And so snatched out of here. I still believe that one day we're going to be taken out of here, folks. I believe that with all my heart. Now I know some of you don't. That's okay. You stay here. Send me a postcard. I'm going with the first bunch. He said, save others, snatching them out of the fire. Now, it shows that they're already in the fire. Now, it's interesting here, the imagery. He, he, he uses ek, out of, which means they're already in it. And the word fire is the word poor and gives a vivid imagery of what fire does. Now, fire can be helpful, but he's not talking about a helpful sense of fire, because he says, rescue them from the fire. So if it's helpful, why would you want to rescue them? No. This is the, the, the worst end of what fire does. Fire destroys, fire uh, hurts. Fire ravages whatever we have. And I think the the, the picture here is that when you get into false doctrine, everything that you have in Christ is ravaged away from you. And suddenly the love and suddenly the peace and the patience and all the things that he produces, they're gone. But you're chasing after an experience. You're chasing after a false doctrine. You're chasing after something else. And that's, to me, the idea of what he's saying here. There's a mean spirit that begins to develop in people that get in false doctrine. They're listening to it. They All of a sudden, they stop caring about truth and other things. And then they buy into it, and their attitude becomes judgmental, pharisaical, critical about other people. In fact, I was doing a meeting with, with Brother Roy Hessian that wrote The Calvary Road. That's one of the nine Christian classics he wrote. He's in heaven today. And... And he, he, I think the better one he wrote was my Calvary Road when he gave his own personal testimony in that. But Brother Roy and I were preaching in Mississippi. And I preached a message on Jesus is the only well that you ever need to drink from. A man came up after the service. He said, I'm offended. You've offended me, and you've offended the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I wasn't really worried about him, but I was kind of concerned about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, how did I offend the Holy Spirit? He said, you never mentioned the Holy Spirit. You only talked about Jesus. I said, whoa, 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 let me beg your pardon. I said, Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. And I said I didn't in any way offend the Holy Spirit. I complimented him because Jesus said when the Spirit comes, he will never speak of himself, but he will only speak of me. And I just simply did what he led me to do in this message. But the mean spirit, this man was was the, the guy who held a Holy Spirit conference every year in the state of Mississippi. My goodness. The mean spirit, the judgmental attitude, and the way he hit me right in the face with that. And you think, now, you know what's happened? Because if he's gotten over here and gotten off for the truth that we have everything we need in Christ Jesus, that his spirit lives within us, the fire of the false doctrine had ravaged the fullness of the blessing he could have had and the character that Christ could have produced in his spirit. You see, some are listening and as a result beginning to doubt. That happens real easy if you don't know what you believe. You'll doubt in a minute. All you gotta do is listen long enough. But then others have not only doubted, they have gotten on that slippery slope and have slidden right into the false teaching. They're in the fire. Show compassion to those who are listening and and teach them the truth, but to the people that are in the fire, you have to intentionally move it up on a, a notch because this is more difficult. These are the ones who are being ravaged by that false teaching. Even though they say it's truth, there is no fruit whatsoever in their life. They're feeling the heat of the fire. But then thirdly, approach those who are deeply embedded into false doctrine with extreme caution. It's an interesting. Three different levels of how false teachers affect a church. This third group will be the toughest one to rescue from the grip of the false teaching that they have slipped into. In a careless effort to rescue them, and this is the danger, one could fall into the same trap that they have fallen into. You see, they want you where they are. The ones who are just getting into the fire, they're more engrossed in what they're what they're now believing that's false but the ones who have been in it for a while they're trying to pull you this is the difference now in a deceived person a believer and a deceptive teacher they're just as deceptive but they're just simply deceived they want you now to believe like them and these are the ones like cancers in the body of Christ that will ruin and bring division if we're not very careful to watch each other's back have anybody in here ever been trained to be a lifeguard anybody here I took the training years ago some of you Ah, a few of you. You ever notice what they taught us? They said, when you've got a drowning person, that person wants you to drown with them. (laughs) And when you come towards them, you don't say, Hey, I'm here. Here's my hand. Take it. No, they'll drag you right down with them. You won't have one person to drown. You'll have two people drown. No, what do you do? When you get far enough away they can't reach you, you go under and you go down to their feet and you grab their feet and you turn them around. And you come up the sides, and when you get up to the top, you grab one of the arms, pull it across, put your arm around their neck, and now you've got them helpless, and you can bring them in. Otherwise, they're going to jump all over you, and both of you are going to drown in the same water. Well, it's exactly the same idea. When you approach a person that's steeped in this, look out and be careful. They want you where they are. And they will pull you down if you're not very, very, yes, mercy. Oh, my goodness, yes, mercy. But look what he says here. On oh, some have mercy. And then he adds something with fear. And the word fear is phobos. It means dreadful horror. In other words, there's a dread here that you, you, you know what you're dealing with. I was watching the History Channel the other night. And it was as they were catching these snakes. I have sort of a weird mind the things that attract me. And I was catching these great big 10-foot-long snake. And this guy says, now, you have to watch this and you have to watch that. And I'm thinking, are you paying attention to what you're saying? And suddenly he reached down and, boom, grabbed that snake. But he grabbed it about this far too short of the head. And when he did, that snake went, bam, and got him. And I said, you see, that's a good example. You need to understand what can happen in a second when you're dealing with somebody that's steeped in the false doctrine. You better know what you're doing. Because they want you where they are. And sometimes, if they're good, they'll bring you right down to their level. And on some, have mercy with fear, he says. The horror is not so much in what they believe. The horror is of falling into the same trap. Hating even the garment, he says. Polluted by the flesh. Now, this is interesting, and I'm going to have to give you where I think he's talking about here. The word hating is maseo. Maseo means to detest, to abhor. To therefore abstain from something. Uh, It's it's, it's in the present active and points to the fact that this detesting is present every second of what you're doing. You're always consciously aware that they could pull you into even saying what they're saying if you're not really careful. Hating even the garment. Now this is interesting. The word garment is the word chiton and refers to an inner tunic, like the rabbis would wear, worn beneath an outer covering. Now what in the world is he talking about? It's not an outer garment, it's an inner garment. And I see this as the garment of the flesh that can so easily pull us away from God's truth when we're not watching what we're doing and when we're unsure of what we're doing we can start listening to the point that it pulls us over to the other side and we didn't even recognize it. You see this garment is polluted. The word polluted means stained. It's already stained. We know that. It's polluted by the flesh, and the word flesh is sarks. Sarks refers to the mindset of lawlessness that's still resonant within us. Here's what I'm saying. My flesh is as wicked today, it's worse today than it was when I got saved. Ephesians says it's corrupting. I even shoot across roads sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it just gets worse. It doesn't get better. Why is it that people think that now I'm a Christian, I don't have to deal with my flesh anymore? Are you kidding? Now you know what it is, and the battle begins. And it doesn't get any better. It's polluted, and my flesh will be a, will a, will will yield quickly to something that brings it pleasure. I want pleasure, and that's what you see. People say sin; it does no pleasure. Oh come on, that's its calling card. Yes, it has pleasure, but only for a season, and it never shows you the fine print of what the consequence is. And so my flesh wants to yield to what false doctrine says to me. It wants me to feel good. Well, humanism, legalism, or whatever ism you want, the flesh loves it. The flesh loves it. All of us are the same. I don't care how spiritual you are. Your flesh, if it can be given its way, still loves anything that pulls you away from your walk with the Lord Jesus. Some are listening to this false teaching that Jude's mentioning. Some have begun slipping into its fires... Some are steeped into it, and they want us where they are. They're going to bring us down. The ones who are slipping into it, they're still enamored by the false teaching that they're into. But these that have been there a while, they're within the churches, and they want to pull us away from the truth of Jesus and Him only and Him alone living His life in and through us. They all need mercy. They all need mercy, and only Christ can produce that. But in each case, the risk must be understood if we're going to seek to rescue them. It's, it, there's a risk involved. But, Wayne, I'm worried. I'm worried that I'm going to stumble into that trap. I'm, I'm scared to death, Wayne. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to stumble. Well, let me just answer you from Jude's own words. Don't do that. Look at verse 24. Now to him, Jesus, who is able to keep you from stumbling, And to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy. Whoo! isn't that good? It's not our ability, it's his ability in us. If we're living in the right passport, not Jason Bourne, but David Webb. We finally know who and whose we are. We start living like it instead of trying to change passports all week long. We start living like it, then he living in us will continue to keep us. He points To the power that is in Christ. The word for power is the word duname, And it means ability. He has the ability. He has the power to keep you from stumbling. Remember 1 John? It says if we'll walk in the light, then there's no cause of stumbling for us. There's no tripwire. That's what he's saying. The same thing. He'll keep us from falling into that trap. Jesus, who is the truth, will keep us from falling into the trap of false doctrine. If we'll let him be who he is in and through our lives. He's able to keep us from stumbling. The word keep is fuloso, means to watch over like a precious treasure. He's right there watching over us. He's able to keep us from falling into false doctrine. He's the guide that'll take you through the swamp without sinking you someplace in a hole that you didn't know was there. And he's able to make you stand the way you ought to stand. In the face of all the garbage we have to face in our day. And to make you stand, and he goes on, in the presence of his glory. This points to one day when we stand in his presence. We can stand blameless with great joy, which is extreme joy and gladness. He says in verse 25, and this is almost to say to the false teachers, now take this, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, Dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. And then he says, Amen. You know what that means? That means don't you mess with this. It may always be so. (laughs) Don't you ever think about changing this. It's always going to be this way. Let me go through that. To the only God and Savior, monos. To the one and only God and Savior. There is only one. He says, Be glory. Or actually, to the God our Savior. The word Savior is rescuer, deliverer, Savior, and who is that? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be glory, doxa, is a proper estimate of his worthiness. He says majesty, and it means great and strong and extreme majesty. Refers to the divine majesty of God for which there is no equal. He says may there be dominion, and the word is kratos, manifested strength. And iski strength, is the word that means to, even if it's not being seen, it's there. And authority, exousia, authority. And he says... Before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. (laughs) What a powerful little letter. I'm going to tell you something that hopefully will scare you a little bit. The devil wants your mind. He wants the mind of your kids. He wants the mind of your grandkids. And folks, if we're not walking in truth, we can do nothing to protect them. We have got to start living what we say we are. There's enough out there now that can pull them a different way. If he can get somebody's mind thinking a certain way then what happens is he's crippled their walk with the Lord Jesus and the fire has ravaged the fullness of the blessing they could have been walking in had they just simply bowed before Christ. You know I'm enjoying the hunting out here but it's a little different. I like elk hunting. I don't get drawn every year but I like to go elk hunting. I've killed two cow elk, haven't killed a bull elk. One thing I don't like about it is you have to walk in such high places. When I killed my second one, I had to walk to the top of a canyon. (laughs) If you can look at me and see that I'm not in great shape. I don't know if you've seen the panda movie. I took my grandson to see it. I'm the panda trying to get up those steps. (laughs) And I finally got to the top of the hill. First two shots, I don't know where they went. I couldn't hold still. I was trying to get my breath. Finally got the elk and the little boy, five years old, was with the guy, David Welty's son. He looked up at me and he said, You know what? It's pure luck you ever hit that thing. <laughs> I said, You little smart look, you're right, but I don't have to say it to me. Do you know what an elk will do? This is amazing. They're smarter than Christians. If an elk, a cow elk, picks up danger, and there's usually traveling herds, if it picks up danger, that bull's in their midst, for whatever reason all the elk, the cow elk, get around that bull elk in a circle. It's amazing. You couldn't get a shot at it if you wanted to. And they walk with that bull elk until he's out of shot range or until they're over the hill. It's incredible. They watch each other's back. Wouldn't that be awesome if Christians in the 20th century would just get a clue, start learning what the truth is, and then start watching each other's back. How strong we would become against the onslaught of false teaching. That's what Jude's trying to say. The best defense is an offense, to live what you say you are. And another thing he would tell us, quit listening to it, quit listening to it, because once it gets your attention, it puts you on that slippery slope. Before long, you're steeped in it, now you want to pull everybody else where you are, even though you're miserable, but won't admit it. Well, let us stand together Bow your heads, if you would, and close your eyes. Let's just let the Lord speak to us today. Maybe you're here today, and you don't know why you believe what you believe. You're not even sure what you believe. So let's let's just let the Lord speak to us. Father, we just thank you so very much that... You've given us the Word. Lord, we think about the Old Testament the prophets. They prophesied in part, in portion. They didn't have the full picture. We look, Father, at the, at the New Covenant. And we see the canon, and we see how Paul wrote half of it. We see the epistles that have been written. But, Lord, now we have it in our hands. Lord, there is really no excuse. You, you've put your Spirit within us. You've given us the mind of Christ. You've given us your Word. Father, I pray that we will get serious about walking up under truth. Every one of us fail. Every one of us sin. Every one of us have our weakness. But thank you, Father, that when we come to the Word, it tells us what to do, even when we fail. Father, I pray today that you would just reclaim lives, Lord, mine included, all of us, Lord, that we would be kept from stumbling with the false doctrine that's all around us. Lord, even in humanism, even in the things that are just quickly to grasp Lord, thank you that you'll protect us. And I pray, Father, in this service that if there's somebody here that does not know you, never have experienced the truth, then, Lord, I pray they'll come to know you today in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the praise team is going to lead us. This is not a time to sing but a time to listen. Who's here today? Who's here today that doesn't know Christ, perhaps? And Christ is beckoning you to come. You see, this is the difference in Christianity and any religion in this world In Christianity, Christ comes to live in us in the person of his spirit to do through us what we could have never done. There's no uncertainty in the Christian life. It's all certain in him. Our hope is certain. There's no iffiness about it. He comes to live in us. The victory is already ours. He won it for us at the cross. When he resurrected and then ascended, was glorified. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to come to know this Jesus. He certainly loves you. He certainly has died for you. If you'll come straight towards me and go to my right and your left, just go across the front. There's a double door there. People would like to meet with you and counsel with you and pray with you. Or maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church. You'd like to become a part of this body. They'll explain that to you when you go over there. But maybe you just need to come to the altar and say, Oh, God, I, I, I hardly ever get into your word. I don't even really know if I c- could defend my faith. I, I don't even know what I believe anymore. I've heard it from people. I've read books. I've heard tapes. But I don't know your word. It doesn't know me. Maybe you just need to come and spend some time making some things right with him. Don't commit to him anything. No, you surrender to him. It's a big difference in commitment and surrender. And maybe you need to come to the altar. Nobody will embarrass you. Nobody will make fun of you down here. Maybe you're coming to pray for somebody else. That's certainly okay. Let the Lord move in your heart right now as our praise group leads us. Listen to the words that they're singing. i Father, I thank you that the Lord Jesus became sin for the whole world. Went to the cross paying a debt he didn't owe when we owed a debt we couldn't pay. And I thank you, Father, that what kept him from ever forever being separated from you for sin separates. I thank you, Father, that the shed blood on the cross was more powerful than the sin of the whole world. And that, Lord, he entered back into heaven as the God-man by his own blood. Oh, Father, I pray for whoever's here this morning to somehow think that God cannot forgive them, that you would obliterate that false thought and help them to understand the power of the blood, the fountain, Lord, that we drink from. Lord, we just praise you for all that you're doing, for all that you're wanting to do and what you're going to do in the future. May we be the yielded vessel to let you do it through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Join hands together, if you will, and let's just sing what our praise group just sung. Don't you love the music that God's given us to express our appreciation for that which we're grateful? Let's just sing together. Amen. Thank you for being here today. God loves you. I love you. See you next time.